0: You are listening to Coffee with Curtis and I'm Robert Curtis. Welcome to the show. Coffee with Curtis is a weekly podcast where you will be able to tune into my conversations over coffee with business leaders sharing their journey and experiences to give you insights to impact your own business. So grab a coffee and enjoy the show hey everybody welcome back to another episode of coffee with curtis joining me this time is jonathan Raver. jonathan is the head of thought leadership at appsflyer he is also the ghostwriter to over 70 people within the company he chats to us about who can be a thought leader how best to craft your message especially when you're writing for that many people to get into the mindset of those different voices coming from different aspects and journeys within the company super interesting conversation An interesting role that he has at one of Israel's unicorn companies. So enjoy the podcast. Jonathan, welcome to Coffee with Curtis. Really delighted to have you on the podcast. And we're going to be chatting all things content writing, social media, thought leadership. So really excited to have this conversation.
1: Welcome. Thank you very much. The pleasure, I'm sure, is all mine. Um, Happy to be here. Happy to chit-chat to the point that you will Force me out of this uh, zoom call
0: <laughs> great well we've got a lot to talk about because you have a pretty interesting job just before we dive into some of the topics for our listeners give us a sense of who jonathan is what's your current role where do you work what's your background
1: sure so i'm i'm um i'm jonathan i live in uh, in tel aviv um i'm 43 years old I come from a uh, mobile marketing uh, experience, started with digital experience. I'm actually a retired lawyer. I studied law and immediately quit. Then I went into uh, digital uh, advertising. And since 2008, I've been you know, wandering the mobile marketing arena from ad networks to apps uh, to third parties um and in the last year and a half i've been working for apps flyer um as the head of thought leadership
0: before we dive in and ask you what apps flyer is and just give the listeners a sense of the rocket ship that i know apps flyer is um you are not the first person to say to me i studied and trained as a lawyer but never went into it and i didn't want to do it i think that's been mentioned probably Disproportionately across all my podcast episodes than anything else. What is it about the law that
1: people turn away from? I think the, the real question is why, what is it about the about law school that people turn into when they're like, I don't know, 18, <laughs> 20, 22? Why do they decide to do that when clearly it doesn't fit a lot of people? I can tell you more, what my, my answer is I'm, you know, I'm a, Jew, I'm a Jewish son to a Jewish mother. And I didn't know what I wanted to do when I was 22. So I went with the default Jewish choice, which is to become a lawyer. Um, and by the time I finished, I already knew I didn't want to do it. So I, I finished, I got the, you know, I, I did the bar exam, I passed, and I left.
0: Interesting. It taps into actually something I was reading recently from uh, Gary, Gary V, um, who I'm a big uh, disciple of. Um, that, you know, so many people, so many kids, um, you know, go to university based on what they think their peers or parents or friends of parents want from society, lawyers, accountants, doctors, and pretty soon realise just how unhappy they are. So they sort of go through the dance and then realise, I'm not going to be happy doing this and uh, find their, their, their route to alternative happiness.
1: I completely agree. But I, I think for me, it, it took me even, you know, it took me a lot longer than just, you know, leaving the law, leaving law, leaving practicing law. Um, it took me a long time to reach what I'm doing today. I'm going to talk about that later on. But um, the, the basic writing skills that, that is needed to do what I do today, it took me 12 years in mobile marketing to reach this point. So for me, it just feels like I just now found what I was aiming to do all along. I think
0: that is an important message, that patience and being in it for the long haul is really important and attributes that sometimes we we fail to forget in our quick social media throwaway society.
1: Absolutely. That is so true.
0: Now, I know what AppsFlyer is. I know the rocket ship that they are. They're one of Israel's big unicorn brands and uh, obviously have turned into a a significant global powerhouse in their space. But give us the
1: 360 view of AppsFlyer. AppsFlyer is a 10-year-old company um, that right now is dominating the mobile marketing arena. AppsFlyer is basically uh, an attribution and analytics provider for app marketing, uh, which is a multi-multi-billion billion dollars business around the world. Um, We we provide um, um, elaborate analytics and attribution for any app marketer who wants to realize how to spend their budget, how to do user acquisition, um, optimize their campaigns, and basically uh, grow their business, grow their app business. we just uh, a year ago um, we announced uh, 200 million uh, funding round, which puts us as a at about two billion dollar uh, evaluation. Uh, we have about 1,000 um, 1,050 1, employees. Um, I think that's about it. It is. It's. It's a rocket ship. Uh, I joined uh, a year and a half ago uh, when when it was already a rocket ship. So I can't take credit for everything that uh, AppsFlyer did. Um, but what I am trying to do is um, is grow their their brand even more. What is your What is your role at AppsFlyer? My title just changed uh, last week. It, it used to be head of community marketing, which really has no relevance to, to what I've been doing all along. Um, I started working at, uh, at AppSlyer to, to develop the community side of AppSlyer and to help uh, Oren Kaniel, C- who is the CEO, uh, with his uh, thought leadership posts on LinkedIn, mainly on LinkedIn, but also on other um, platforms. And what started with Oren soon um, just gradually, and uh, um, grew and grew and grew. And I started writing for Lisa, this, the, the, the the chief people officer and then to Ziv, the chief uh, customer officer and to of the CTO, et cetera, et cetera. And it grew a lot uh, to the point that I felt that community was irrelevant to what I do. And uh, I've been focused on thought leadership ever since. Um, and to this point, I write about I've written, I think, I have, a, I have a chart, you know, I have a Google sheet with all those posts, but it's about 400 420 posts in the past year and a half. And I've written to over 70 people in the company.
0: Wow, so you are the sort of unofficial hidden voice ghostwriter for, and ghostwriter for 70 people in the company. This, this is not necessarily something new there are many agencies out there that are obviously creating content and written content for a variety of clients but your role is really different because you're coming from the inside and you're speaking about the same topics to some extent across those 70 people but you have to be creative and show you know intuition around a whole range of subjects related to 70 people but from the inside
1: that's really tough to do isn't it it's really tough it's it's tough from, on on many levels first of all the, the 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 mere styling level which is it's you know it's a, how can i how can i uh, develop 70 different styles of writing each and every person it's it's impossible i i don't think i can come up with even 3 or 4 different styles because <laughs> i have a very distinctive style so if i'm working with someone who has you know developed uh, writing skills then he will take what I write and put it in his own kind of style way of thought way of writing um, but most of the people that I work here don't have any distinctive writing skills the, the, the very fact that they need me usually suggests that they don't have writing or very good writing skills so they use my styling so that's one of the biggest challenge writing in a style that fits each and every person I, I, I can tell you that I walk through the corridors, well, now those are pretty empty corridors, but when I walk through the corridors, uh, I, I get, you know, picked up by a person who says, listen, did you write that post for X or for Y? I knew it was you. I knew it. <laughs> I'm like, you, you got me, you know, it's, it, it, it's tough. But, but some, you know, even though style is style matters, uh, the value and the message itself is a 100 times more more important. And that's the real challenge. The real challenge is to understand what, sh- what each person is trying to say, to convey, what kind of value he's trying to convey to others in his own uh, uh, area of expertise, and then convey that message clearly in under 1,300 characters. Wow. So each time you sort of craft these series of
0: posts for different people, you sort of have to summon your inner Orin or your inner Lisa and bring on some of their, their personality and style into it. If you, if they have one, like you said, and um, you know, be able to, to carve that out. I, I, I think what you're saying is, is super interesting from a perspective of, you know, you, you don't just need to understand the company and the product offer you also have to understand the nuances of each of those 70 people in their role if we take lisa for example as you know the head of uh, vp of people um you know the the outlook of you know employee relations how to attract the best talent what she's saying needs to be impactful not just internally not just to customers but also to presumably potential employees as well as current employees who want to hear the voice of the vp of, of hr essentially so you're having to have a really nuanced understanding of their role if, if i understand you correctly
1: yeah that's why my my a lot of my my you know what i do usually it starts with kind of an interview or a conversation with that person that i'm writing to trying to understand what his role is all about and what he's really aiming to to bring to the table on on linkedin when he's writing thought dealership. there's one uh, uh, thing that that is shared with everyone that i write to which is the, 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 the notion that value is, um, value is important here and not promotion. And that value is not promotion. When I write, I mean out of those 400 or 420 or I don't know how, how many, I, uh, uh, those posts, uh, 90% of them are not promoting anything. They don't even mention Apps Flyer by name. They're just there to provide value to the people who are reading them. And by that, we're trying to communicate the fact that the the company itself and the employee himself, herself, they are valuable. So it's kind of like conveying value without promoting yourself. That's the real challenge here. And that is shared by everyone that I write to. And a lot of people think that, you know, just writing, hey, this product is amazing. We're working an amazing product. I'm so happy to be here, but that's just promotion. You know, it gets it gets you know shut down. You just scroll down on your feed. Um, it doesn't matter. All you should think about when you're doing thought leadership is what you give to the other side, the person who is reading it, and seeing you know just self-promoting, self-loving posts. That doesn't work. It just
0: doesn't. <laughs> I guess what you're saying, you know, with my sales hat on, I always think of things in terms of, you know, sales pipeline, content creation needs to be manifested without thinking about the top of the funnel. And is this going to lead to a new opportunity for us in, in our database for the sales team to follow up on?
1: Absolutely. That's, that's just That's just it. I think it's it really uh, resonates with the whole notion that thought leadership is, 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 is a very important type of marketing, but it's not a lead gen type of marketing. It's branding. It's that you know, Nike stripe that you see everywhere that, make you, that makes you think, this is a great company. These are experts. These are professionals. I want to work with them. I don't want them to push some product i myself independently want to work with these kind of people with this kind of um, uh, products this is what we're trying to convey it's not easy and it's very long term but it's definitely worth it
0: tell me jonathan in terms of apps flyer itself you've got 70 people there you're crafting posts for so they're they're obviously I guess, already drinking the Kool-Aid of the power of social media in terms of the impact it can bring to the the company's brand. Uh, Did you and do you get pushback from people? No, I don't want to be part of that. I don't want to post or I don't want to be seen in that way. It's not for me. How do you overcome some of those um, sort of personal feelings around posting, Um, especially if it's somebody who's got a really important voice to share that you actually do need to get out there?
1: Oh, uh, that's, uh, it's usually more of a, a psychological challenge, <laughs> I guess. This is where uh, you have
0: to put them in the, uh, you know, the therapist chair. Right, exactly.
1: So what I think that there are a few concerns, like very general and popular concerns. One of them is, um, I, I have nothing to say, okay? Who am I? I'm just a manager, just a product manager. I'm just a marketing manager. I'm just a PMM. I'm just an HR. i I have nothing to say. And then by, and that actually that challenge can be tackled very easily because when I speak to them, I ask them what they do. They explain to me, I talk to them, I ask them about their challenges. And by just by a five minute conversation, they tell me so much usually because people here, are you know, they work. Um, and, and every single minute I stop them, and tell them, okay, this is a challenge that you overcame. Here's a post. And then after another minute, here's the post for you. And then they realize that they do have something to say. And that moment of realization, that's gold for me. It's one of my favorite moments when I work with a person. And then he realizes his own, like he's empowering himself. I'm not even empowering them. Um, the The other concern they have is it's been said before, you know, I'm not bringing anything new to the table. And by that, I always, I, I always tell them, it's true. Everything today, you know, nowadays, there's nothing really new anymore. It's been said before. Everything has been said before. But it wasn't said to the right audience, maybe. Not with the right angle. Not with the right words. Not at the right time. So there's a lot of value of bringing out a new angle and styling it, styling it better and elaborating it and shedding some different light on it. So there is something to say, and that it it needed it needs to be said. And the last thing is, I don't know how to write. That's the that's the last concern. And for that, that's that's the easiest for me because that's when I tell them that's what I'm here for.
0: Within AppsFlyer, I, I've certainly seen people posting for for years regularly, particularly on say LinkedIn. The name that sticks out is uh, is Daniel Cohen, who is often posting around uh, her experience of working in the company and the roles and you know from a talent acquisition point of view i think she's made a she made a big impact uh, on the on the company's brand how how does apps flyer view employee posting when it's not coming from you because lots of people will be scared to post because of what they're concerned about the, the you know the company thinking about them and the, the risk for their job um, what's the i guess company and corporate mentality and policy around social media posting?
1: Well, I can speak only about AppsFlyer, you know? AppsFlyer loves, as a company, as an organization, we love that people post. Usually, even if we're not talking about thought leadership, people that post about AppsFlyer, AppsFlyer employees that post about AppsFlyer, they're proud, you know? It symbolizes pride. They're proud of the product. They're proud of the company, and for us, that's a very good thing. Daniel Cohen, which is definitely one of the biggest superstars that we have in terms of thought leadership. I've been writing some of her posts in the past year, but she's doing, I think, eighty percent of of the work herself, especially building herself, which is she's, she's done all all by herself. Um, she's 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 the biggest, you know, she's the best ambassador company like Flyer or any other company can ask for. She is, you know, she has 30,000 followers. She's spreading so much knowledge and insights about how it is, how it is to work for a company like Flyer. How should people, uh, uh, um, you know, uh, what should people do in interviews? How should people use their uh, CVs? Um, he writes about all things HR. And they uh, most of them are tremendously insightful. Some of them are like are more fun, but a lot of them are super insightful. She's a superstar. And for us, that's you know, that's amazing. We'd love to have more Daniel Cohen's in the company. The one concern I guess a lot of companies will have is if that person is that good and we're empowering them to be such a thought leader, then. Other companies will, you know, will steal him off our hands, right? Um, and 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 our answer is, I guess, is is like, I guess I, I don't want to sound uh, maybe um, uh, chauvinistic or something, but it used to be like this this notion that um, uh, a guy cannot wear uh, pink, you know. Um, well, you know, a, a guy that is really secure about his manhood can wear any color that he wants. And and the same with thought leadership, you know, the same with posting. A company that is, you know, that has security and understands the value of of its employees, the company isn't afraid that someone's going to steal them away because we give them enough so they will stay. Um, I don't know
0: what it says about me, but when I lived in London over a decade ago, um, I worked in the real estate sector. And, you know, in, in, the, in the UK, you wear a tie and a suit every day. And one of my great shirts was a beautiful pink double cuff shirt that I would wear and uh, wear with pride. So I don't know what that says, Jonathan, but I'm, I'm putting it out there. It says you're secure. I love wearing pink. It doesn't happen a lot, but I love it. Very good. Now, talking about thought leaders... Um, you're obviously writing for a number of pretty senior people within a large organization you're writing obviously for the CEO as well um, in addition to I I guess him crafting some of his own messaging but um, can anybody be a thought leader at whatever level they are um, providing content
1: of course The, the, the the answer is you know categorically like yes it's like it's Everyone can be a thought leader. I think that the, the very notion that only the top uh, top senior uh, executives can be thought leader is really damaging to any company. That again, it, it it just it basically goes to show that the only people that are worth empowering are the the senior people. I, I I'm really opposed to that uh, to that concept. Anyone can be a thought leader. Yes, it's it's true that. Oren Kaniel, the CEO, will have a lot more impact in his post than myself or another person who's a manager or even a director, of course. That doesn't mean that, that uh, other people cannot share their voice. They, they, they can share their voice and they need to share their voice. I think that the, you know, uh, quantity counts in, um, in, on, on LinkedIn and on Thought Leadership. In the sense, not that you post a lot. Of course, you need to show value. In the sense that a lot of people post show how strong the company is. It shows that it's strong on each and every level, okay? Um, You know, it's um, we're not Tesla, okay? Um, Tesla, you know, can use Elon Musk, you know, as much as it wants. Um, For us, it's different. It's different there are a thousand employees. If I had my way, there would be like 90, 990 people posting on LinkedIn, like once a week.
0: Wow. That sounds like a plan. How are you going to make that happen? I mean, is that even a possibility? I know it sounds, we're saying it tongue in cheek, but is there a possibility that you could get most of the company posting once a week? Is that, is that just pie in the sky or? I, I don't think it's realistic. <laughs> I, <laughs> like,
1: I want to see it. I want to see you do this. I think it's I, a campaign. I can tell you. I can share one success story that uh, we did when uh, when we announced our uh, D uh, funding round uh, back in February last year. Um, actually, it was no. It was it was January. Um, it was I think about thir- um, between three hundred fifty and four hundred people posted on the same day. Was, that was almost 50% of the company back then. Um, and that was a huge success for us. Now, naturally, I didn't write all those posts. We did prepare templates for them. That was a shared uh, uh, work with for me and Sivan, our social media manager. It was a huge, huge, effort, you know, across all the company. It was a really great success. But thought leadership posts once a week, uh, double uh, 1,000, I... Unfortunately, I don't see it happening. Although I, I under the value of something like that would be tremendous for the company. I want to see it happen. <laughs> I think you're thinking too small. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, tell me about the content that you are posting at the moment. You, we've been talking about sort of shorter thought leadership posts that live, you know, maybe predominantly on on LinkedIn, but maybe um, live on other platforms as well how do you see the role of different types of written content um, across the web today in terms of thought leadership? But you and I have spoken before um, about, you know, the role of say Forbes or other, you know, typical places that you would sometimes find what we would term thought leadership pieces but there is a difference between what they put out in terms of long form and short form on LinkedIn, et cetera, uh, and people's propensity to also want to read things that are longer.
1: I think there's a huge shift in, in you know, in human behavior, you know, in, in, in general. You see it, I mean, you, you know, let's, you know, if you will go to B2C, you see it as, a, as, a, as, a, as an end user, forget business, you know, we'll see it with TikTok, Okay. TikTok is the best example for how little patience we, we have, you know, forget us, we're, we're older, look at, look at the youth today, they're not going to read 10, 15, 20 minute uh, articles, it's not going to happen, it's dying, and it's already dying, I can tell you even about myself, since we're all in some, in some sort of a bite-sized world we're living in today, there's no more patience for those Forbes, entrepreneur.com, Inc, whatever type of articles. Of course, a lot of people still read them, of course, but the patience that people have um, is is decreasing. So traditional media is gradually, you know, um, you know, going through some sort of shift, which is why LinkedIn became so... Uh, um, you know, so good in uh, in thought leadership. LinkedIn used to be, you know, an HR platform where you would search for jobs or search for employees. It's not like that anymore. It's a big hub of thought leadership. And I guess the people that are still reading those Forbes thought leadership articles, <clears throat> they're still out there and we still need to reach them. And some of them aren't reading, aren't on LinkedIn. So you can't find them there. So you can't just focus all your energies on on LinkedIn, but you certainly cannot focus your energies solely on printed media, digital media, traditional media, it just doesn't work anymore. There are 600 million LinkedIn users, um, I think 200 million uh, monthly active users, you know, you, you're not gonna reach them on Forbes. You're not gonna reach them on E-marketer. You're just not gonna reach them. And while those are very respected types of uh, uh, of medias, um, I'm not sure uh, they'll reach all the people that you want. I'm actually pretty sure they they won't reach your target audience. So it, it has to work both ways together. And you know, focusing just on one, it's not gonna cut it.
0: I think the end result of everybody having a social media life for, for good or for bad is that everyone's life and therefore every company and every interaction feels like the modern version of the front page of a newspaper. And that's as much as we're gonna do. We're not reading inside, we're catching the front page, we're looking at the headline, we're making our own judgments and decisions and moving on. I mean, as someone, you know, probably from, the, from, a, from a different generation already, although not, not that old, you know, I still love reading books. I love reading things that I'm passionate about in longer form. And I find that when I do that and when I go deeper inside to a topic, I get it. And I have an advantage over people who are still just reading the headlines. I still believe that when you... When you go inside and you bother to do the next few steps, that's what puts you ahead of everybody else.
1: I, I I totally agree, and maybe I'm biased, but the very notion that you know traditional media, you know, is just rules the entire uh, uh, um, mind uh, um, space that we have. I don't like it. The fact that everyone has a place to share their voice and grow their audience, which is LinkedIn today. When we talk about business, that's a good thing. I don't want entrepreneur to decide, entrepreneur.com to decide who gets to speak and who gets mm. to share his voice and who, who doesn't. I don't like that. I like the fact that it's totally democratized now. You know, anyone can share their voice. That's the way it should be. I don't want, you know, it's, hap- it's happening in banks. It's happening in a lot of other traditional uh, uh, sectors. You know, there's no more power for those big uh, type of organizations that get to say who gets to do that and who gets to do it. No, everyone has access and everyone has the ability to uh, to become a thought leader. Right, there's, there's limitations, there's character limit, there's, there's a lot of problems, but in the end, that's, I think that's, that's a good, and if you want to read something a little bit deeper, go ahead, read Forbes, but at least give a lot of other people the chance to develop themselves and to grow.
0: I think, super relevant in terms of obviously what we're seeing generally in the world at the moment. We don't need to dive into politics here, but certainly the democratization of voices being able to share their views, particularly on LinkedIn in a business arena, but without that level of you know, editorial and censorship that just by nature, someone like an, an entrepreneur or an Inc or um, Forbes need to do just because of the nature of their their production means that, you know, it it, it, it is what it is. There's there's selection in, involved. I, I think you made an interesting point around companies versus the voice of employees or the voice of management. People tend to glance over the... The bank, the law firm, the company commercial, as it were, or even if you were posting some of the thought leadership as apps flyer, I just think people's brains go no commercial and move on really quickly. Are you seeing that? How? What does the the company voice look like in terms of content writing, or is that way it is a commercial and everyone knows what it is and that's what you're there for? A hundred
1: percent. You you're totally right. I this. That we have a tendency to you know to overlook anything that it that you know even remotely seems like uh um like uh, like a commercial like an ad like a promotion which is why i'm really really strict about not promoting when you do thought leadership it doesn't doesn't even have a glimpse of uh you know of uh, an ounce of uh of a promotion because people see that right away and they'll just move away. They'll just scroll down, and it's the same with the with you know with the official accounts of of, of any you know with social media accounts of any company. And I think I think uh, your last one of your last uh, um, um, uh, people that you hosted here, Amelia Sordell, talked about it. You know the company the company itself will never be able to promote something as fiercely and as effectively as the employees themselves, because when the employees themselves uh, uh, promote it or talk about it, then it seems authentic. When a company talks about itself, about stuff that they're doing, it's just like driving through and seeing an ad on a highway. It doesn't mean anything. And most people will just scroll down. And I think that that goes to what Legion is all about. There's there's a very big misconception about what what dimension and Legion is all about. And that's what separates promotion and uh, thought leadership, you know? Legion is Legion, is an ebook, is an, you know, it's a a promotion directed at someone leaving their name and, and email and title. So someone from sales can contact them. In the end, that's the end goal. The funnel for thought leadership Is totally different and that's what what that's what dimension is all about dimension is getting a user anyone to say i want i demand to work with that company i want to work them there's no promotions here is is it's like planting the seed of uh, of desire in the hearts of those that we want to work them we want them to come to us we're not coming to them um, and that's a big, you know, separator between a uh, uh, dimension and, and legion nowadays. And I, I am sad to say that not a lot of companies understand the huge difference between the two. In terms of the
0: posts and your, your learnings after crafting, you know, hundreds and hundreds of posts for, you know, 70 plus people, Um, What do you see as the right structure and formula for posting? What are your top tips for our listeners who are crafting posts themselves, perhaps? They haven't got the luxury of a head of thought leadership like you. Um, what, What do you say to them?
1: So first of all, think short. Uh, reiterate every post that you write, write it on a, I don't know, a Word document or a, a Google Docs, whatever, then rewrite it, rewrite, you know, rewrite, reread it, and then rewrite it, then try to cut off whatever is irrelevant, short sentences, not long box of text, um, talk less about yourself and more about the value, try to be very, 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 um, synced, um, very directed at, the, um, at your goal of the value that you're trying to convey. And I think the most important thing about any type of, a, of a social media, thought leadership or not, is telling a story. It has to have a beginning, a middle, and the end. And, and the beginning is usually talking about a certain pain that your readers might have. It doesn't matter if their marketing and their you know, user acquisition funnel is is faulty or their product managers that don't understand how to work better with the R and D teams. It's irrelevant. Someone always has some sort of pain that you're addressing. That's usually the start. Another tip title. So, you know, LinkedIn posts don't have a title, but they still need an eye catching first sentence. You know, the first Mm -hmm. sentence, someone else said it better than me. Uh, the first sentence, um, goal is to get the user to read the second sentence. The second sentence's goal is to get the user to read the third sentence. That's, a, that's how it works. So, try to go like big, not explosive, but big with the first sentence to entice them to read further. And then once they're inside already, that's when it becomes a bit easier.
0: When you say a title, um, obviously, the, you're talking about the first sentence. Would you put it in sort of caps lock or would it be separated off in some way
1: uh i separated with the you know with with the line with the uh, empty uh, empty line but uh and caps i use caps not the entire sentence but sometimes i use you know very important words with you know with caps but that's my style and and again people people already picked up on it so um the most important i think the, the most important thing is to 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 relay the message in a way that will make people want to understand what you're saying. So make it clear, but not 100% clear, so there's still some some sort of tease, some sort of reason to keep reading. Got
0: it. Okay. I'm, I really like your tips there. I'm already thinking of my posts for the rest of this week and how I can, can change them. Um, one thing I've been blown away by since meeting you is the fact that you have this amazing title called head of thought leadership. I've never met anybody with that title before, and there'll be lots of content writers out there or people that are managing social media communities. You, you defined it earlier on. Um, how did they craft this role for themselves to get a title like that? Cause I'm going to do a LinkedIn search later and see if there is other people out there who have that, that level of title, but, um, it's, it's a new one, right?
1: It's a new one. And I, I can tell you that in the past year and a half, I've been looking for people who are, who are doing exactly, exactly what I do. And I've completely and utterly failed. Uh, I haven't found a single person that is doing what I do. I found people that are doing some sort of similar work from the outside, external advisors, agencies, et cetera, but not inside the companies. I've, so, I've seen social media managers, of course, and a lot of other people from comms, but not, not what I do. So good luck. If you if you happen to find some someone that does what I do, please, please let me know. I want to talk to them because I feel like I lack the possibility to talk to someone like me and and you know learn, learn more, learn something new. Um, I'm crafting this title, this position myself as I go along, as I've done for the past year and a half. So it's, it's that, that that part is a real challenge for me. You know, I I constantly I constantly want to grow, um, and it's and it's tough when you don't know anyone other than yourself that has been doing it. So for companies that are that want to do it, the only the only um, the only advice I can give them is find someone who loves to write first and foremost. Forget the experience. Find someone who loves writing. You know that's my true passion in life. Well, that and surfing. Um, but but in business, that's my that's my soul uh, soul passion and and take it from there uh, it's it's better if they have experience in the field that the company is is involved in but the most important thing is writing skills and, and and the love of writing
0: great advice jonathan um i am super pumped by what you've had to share with us um it's been a really good 45 minutes together um, taking us through your journey at apps flyer so we really appreciate you being with us
1: I told you that that by the time the hour ends, you're going to kick me out. So I I I'm I, I'm happy. I'm very happy to to to, to been in uh, uh been hosted by you. It's been great, and I hope people learn something.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. Just before you go, I would really appreciate it if you hit the subscribe button so you can get weekly updates on the podcast.
1: Hope you enjoyed your coffee.